From news across the world to events in your community, hear about it all on WKOK Sunrise on News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Rob Satter is in place, fabulous producer. He's ready to go. And on the news line with us now, a doctor from UPMC Susquehanna, William Sport, who we've interviewed a couple of times, is back with an update. Dr. Rutal Dalal is the medical director of infectious diseases at UPMC Susquehanna. Thank you so much for calling back in again today. Very good to talk to you again, doctor. Oh, thank you again for inviting me, and uh, it's my pleasure. Well, the last time we talked, we talked about there was a new danger out there. Strangely enough, it was for, for individuals who end up with a medical ailment, even a heart attack or a stroke, or, you know, a significant uh, disease-type issue, uh, who decline to go to emergency rooms, decline to go to a doctor, decline to go to a hospital. They were concerned that maybe there was COVID-19 at that facility or they'd, you know, get screened along with the COVID-19 patients. You told us about that uh, two weeks ago. What has happened since then? Has that phenomenon uh, lessened at all? Yes, actually, we have been very, very fortunate. Like, you know, as I said, as you said, two or three weeks ago, like, you know, we had a drop in our uh, emergency room visitations, like, you know, almost down to 50% um, because of uh, efforts uh, through media, including you. Um, we have really achieved um, a great strides in, like, you know, getting back to some sort of normalcy. And we have almost, like, around 97 to 98% of capacity now in our emergency rooms and people are paying heat like you know, people do know that there hasn't been any hospital-based transmission into any of our UPMC facilities which says that uh, whatever we are doing at the hospital including our environmental services our janitorial services as well as infection control practices have really helped not to spread the infection when we did have active cases in our hospital so yes so we are we have had a jump of almost around 40 to 45 percent. Give me a pre-COVID-19. Yeah. Give me a snapshot of what's happening in the hospital now, in terms of the number of patients who might be admitted, and then the segregation of COVID-19 patients from the general population. Well, as of now, like you know, uh, we do have around uh, two patients in the hospital, uh, and they are also waiting just for placement issues in the nursing home because we need to have uh, two negative COVID-19 test results before they could be sent out. But uh, there are separate floors, like you know, one there's a separate floor, uh, an area of the hospital during which people can be put in um, uh, if they don't have any respiratory, super respiratory embarrassment. So. For people who are not on the ventilators, there's a separate area of the hospital. And for people who do need ventilatory support due to COVID-19, there's again a separate area of the hospital. This area is completely out of bounds for people uh, to visit, uh, except for healthcare staff. Uh, and there are multiple layers of protection even for healthcare staff. And the air in those rooms are also appropriately exchanged every few minutes so that uh, even our healthcare staff stays safe. So this area is completely separate from uh, our regular patients. 
There's a uh, Dr. Healy within the UPMC system that is often talking, I believe, in Pittsburgh about the fact that the pandemic really never grabbed hold in a really widespread way in Allegheny County. Your thoughts when you hear him talking about that? I mean, we did the same thing here, but sort of we caused that to happen would be the conventional wisdom. Uh, your thoughts on the the fact that he you know, says the virus just never took hold, wasn't as deadly, and wasn't as widespread uh, locally? Uh, yes, so Dr. Yeah, Don Yaley here up in Pittsburgh, but um, with regards to his comments, there were definitely cases, uh, but it was not of big, huge pandemic proportions. Uh, we were fortunate because we did get a lead up, a heads up, to start our preparations because when it hit the West Coast and then when it came up to New York, um, there were still three to four weeks left until we reached our full surge capacity. Um, and when it did hit, like you know, there were appropriate infection control practices already in place, we had appropriate ventilatory as well as staff support. And when it did come along, uh, because of the stringent infection control practices and because of efforts from the community, uh, such as you all did, with regards to social distancing as well as hand hygiene, uh, we did not reach up to pandemic proportions. Uh, we had at any given time around 21 patients um, across UPMC facilities. There were robust testing done in the community. Up to 8,000 tests were done um, across all UPMC facilities. And um, we did have the ability to segregate or try to isolate people who did have positivity. And that helped us um, stamp out um, this uh, infection temporarily because uh, I'm saying temporarily because this might come back again but for now our numbers have started to decline across all UPMC campuses. There was a WHO doctor yesterday who said the disease isn't as contagious before you develop any symptoms. Your, your thoughts on that remark, this, the, you know, these little b spikes in news about this pop into the news, your reaction to that remark? Yes, so, so typically, actually, uh, when you do get an infection, before you start showing symptoms, the first 48 hours before that are definitely critical because the person does not know he has the infection, and he can still harbor the infection and spread it among others. So I would say that we should still be vigilant. Um, the thing is, we are going to get on and off spikes because summer is right here. Um, people are having certain parties. People, unfortunately, are protesting across the country. Uh, with regards to the unfortunate spate of events in Minnesota. Uh, and um, that's the reason why um, there will be spikes, where there are going to be small gatherings. Um, that does not mean that, you know, uh, we are complete out of the woods. But again, that also does not mean that we need to stop living our lives. Uh, we can keep doing that safely, uh, maintaining social distancing and appropriate hand hygiene and some common sense. We'll go a long way to keep this infection at bay. I do notice that some of the people at demonstrations related to the uh, or the racial unrest and so on uh, are trying to keep social distancing. There's photographs of individuals that are you know, not adjacent individuals, but of course in ultra-urban areas with ultra-big crowds, then people are elbow to elbow. That much is there. And you do anticipate, at least in those areas, there'll be a spike in cases? Absolutely. And that is my worry. And like the healthcare officials across in this 
um, uh, super urban areas are already talking about requesting protesters to stay away from their loved ones, go into self-isolation for 14 days and get tested for COVID-19. And the, the scare is like, you know, because people are protesting, they're super close to each other, and on top of it, they are really shouting and protesting. So when you do that, aerosols can get out from their mouth uh, and they can travel far and wide. That is even beyond six feet. So even having six feet is not going to be really, really helpful. But again, it will give you some kind of protection. Uh, and my concern is uh, I hope that people from semi-urban or rural areas don't go to these protests and come back and give, it, give something to their family members. So that is my biggest concern. So we might have a mini surge for a while, and the next couple of weeks are going to be very critical. Let's switch gears to the MISC, this uh, syndrome that affects uh, children. Uh, how, what are the walk us through? Just as last time uh, you were on, you walked us through the symptoms and testing and detectability of COVID nineteen. Walk us through the uh, symptoms and uh, the treatment processes for MISC. Yes. So as you said, like you know, this affects predominantly children and. Uh, it is probably an autoimmune kind of a condition, um, temporarily, auto-inflammatory condition, uh, during which the body starts attacking its own cells. And the most common symptoms are fever, rash, abdominal pain, uh, red eyes, um, uh, incessant crying, and having um, high-grade temperatures, along with some t- certain cases we have had diarrhea. So when these symptoms come in, they come in probably after around 7 to 10 days of exposure to somebody in your household or to somebody else who have had COVID-19. Unfortunately, there is no real great treatment for this except for uh, symptomatic treatment um, with uh, antipyretics, which help reduce your fevers, uh, make sure that, you know, you're well hydrated, your kid is well hydrated, um, rest, of course, and in certain situations, use of steroids has been debated upon uh, whether to give or not to give, but there have been mixed results. Um, the biggest thing is like, you know, you need to prevent um, kids and young adults from being close to patients or close to people who are suspicious of harboring the virus of COVID-19. And if it does come in into your area, you need to make sure that, you know, your kids are isolated within the household, uh, they start showing any symptoms, just contact your healthcare provider. Uh, we at UPMC have a robust uh, pediatric uh, program as well, and uh, if required, um, a higher level of um, medical training, uh, sorry, for medical impartment um, of your um, stuff can be done either at a high level of care or at the same hospital. So I think identifying this disease is extremely important and then also acting upon it and observing the person or the kid in an intensive care environment is extremely important to prevent complications from happening. If it does happen, um, they're already in a place where appropriate treatment can be given to them. All right, but we have another, just a moment left. Uh, the What symptoms should a parent watch out for? Well, I would say confusion, uh, respiratory distress, high fevers not coming down with uh, local antipyretic or fever-reducing medications, um, diarrhea, and sometimes also headaches. Those are the cardinal symptoms which should be really, really important. And 
occasionally in our 20% of uh, kids you can also see uh, rash and also sometimes strawberry tongue as we have seen in uh, other diseases such as Kawasaki well, Dr. DeLaw, thank you again so much. I only have a thousand more questions, so that means I'm going to harass Tyler Wagner up there again to get us uh, met up here on one of these mornings. Please call back again, and maybe in person one day we'll meet and we'll be able to do a, a lengthier interview and answer even more of my questions. But thank you so much for your time throughout these weeks, and we will talk again. Perfect. Great. Thanks for having me. It's always been a pleasure. Do do appreciate that. Dr. Ritol Talal, Medical Director of Infectious Diseases up at UPMC uh, Susquehanna. You can hear his previous interviews at WDKOK.com. Thanks to Rob Center, our fabulous producer. Those two are on the WDKOK podcast page.